Praise Him this morning. Give Him praise. Give Him honor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, today. You're faithful. You are faithful. You are faithful. He's a faithful, a mighty, and an awesome God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just praise you this morning. Lord, and as we come to get into your word this morning, I just thank you, Lord, that we have a Bible here in front of us, that we have the word here in front of us, Lord, that every day we can come before you and we can have our daily bread. God, we can partake of our daily bread, Lord, which is so much to us. It is our spiritual nourishment to us, Lord, and I'm grateful that we have the bread of life every day. And Lord, we're cleansed with that word, Lord. We're cleansed with your word. And faith comes by hearing the word of God. And Lord, instruction is there and wisdom is there and hope is there and the promises of God are there. Lord, right there in front of us to read them and hear them from the very breath of God, from the very mouth of God. Lord, we read the words that you spoke to men and they penned. But God, their hope to us, their strength to us, Lord, their instruction to us, Lord. And today I pray that in this house that you will minister, Lord, through your word and minister by your spirit, Lord, to instruct us, Lord, to encourage us, Lord, to prepare us, Lord, because we don't want to be destroyed because of a lack of knowledge and a, a lack of knowledge of not hearing or not, not applying the truth, Lord. I don't want to be somebody that goes down in defeat, God, because I did not hear. And Lord, assimilate your word and apply it, Lord. We can do nothing without you, Lord. Let us today hear what you're saying and minister to us today as a people. And God, we want to walk in victory. We want to live in victory. And you've given us everything to do that. You've given us the power, the strength, and the spirit of God. You've given us the word to do that, Lord, to walk in the victory. Lord, that you've secured for us, that you purchased for us. Let us, Lord, not live beneath that, but walk in the victory of it. And we ask it in Jesus' most holy name. Bless this time in the word. Almighty oh, God, my God, my God, we thank you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God is good. God is good. He's faithful. He's faithful. I was preaching on Thursday night and the scripture just kept coming to me. The Lord just kept reminding me. How he said in the word of God, Jeremiah said, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his mercies fail not. And the Lord just kept resounding in my spirit. Because great is my faithfulness. I'm faithful to be merciful to you always. I'm faithful to be merciful to you. Every time you come to this altar, I'm faithful in my mercy unto you. And so this morning, I'm grateful for his mercy. Hallelujah. We don't joke around when it comes to the things of God and the word of God we're, I'm telling you we're in a fight we're in a warfare the devil's playing for keeps amen he's playing to bring destruction that's his plot and his plan nothing's changed in over 6,000 years but I can tell you our savior is still the same yesterday, today and forever and he still gives us the great victory in Jesus name almighty God if you have your Bibles I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Matthew chapter 6. Hallelujah. 
We're going to start there. I got a couple passages of scripture I'm going to read this morning. We've already prayed and we've asked God to bless the word. Good to see all of you here this morning in the house of God. I'm thankful, amen, I'm thankful. This is a school, amen. It's a hospital for the sick, but it's also a school for those that are believers and redeemed that want to come and apply what God has said and take it out there in the world. As I was praying this morning and dwelling upon some things, the Lord reminded me, He said, I I need my church to be strong in the Lord and the power of my might. I need them to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We need to every day put on the whole armor of God. He said, how can you lift up hands that hang down? How can you, you know, restore the one that's been overtaken in a fault if you aren't strong yourself? That's why we have to be, amen, overcomers through Jesus Christ. We can't just preach that. We can't just think that. We've got to be that this morning overcomers he's made us more than conquerors through Jesus Christ so in Matthew 6 13 I'm preaching Christ the support for the tempted Christ the support for the tempted Matthew 6 13 says this and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's what I want to share as our main text this morning. But in Luke, I'm sorry, in Matthew 26, 41, Jesus said, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. In Luke 22, verse 40, it says this, And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. Now I want you to turn over to Psalms chapter 121. Well, we'll start with 141. Psalms 141, verse 4. And it says this, Amen. Incline not my heart. This was David's prayer. Incline not my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity and let not uh, me, let me not eat of their dainties. And then also over in Psalms chapter 121, I want to read this. This is an awesome, this is an awesome passage concerning our victory and the cry unto God. And David said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The God who made heaven and earth is your help. The God who made heaven and earth is your help. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper, he said. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. I am preaching today simply this message, Christ, the support for the 
tempted. Has anybody ever been tempted today? We all have. That's why we need to hear this today. And I pled with God and I asked Him, please speak to my heart. Talk to me. Show me exactly what I'm supposed to preach because where I'm living right now may not be where the people are living. But I want to preach so that they understand and that they are ministered to that what they're going through, what they're in, uh, combating right now and what they're encountering, God, that you will equip them for this moment and this hour in their life. And so as I read this, as I was reading this scripture in Matthew 6.13, this one sentence in the Lord's Prayer is so telling. He said, and it tells us, this that the enemy will come with temptation because he said you need to pray numerous times lead me not into temptation keep me from temptation and so Jesus was very specific in that prayer and it tells us that there will come temptation but it also tells us that our God as we pray gives us support and through prayer to overcome temptation and lead us out of it he said lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil because I can tell you why did he say this because we will be tempted because it is our important duty to guard against all appearance of evil to watch against the first risings in our heart towards evil and to keep ourselves from the actions of sin the other day somebody said something to me. They said, Pastor, the church needs to know how to fight in the warfare. You preach it and it comes out. But there needs to be more specific teaching on that. And I agreed with that person. And today the Lord just ministered to me and he said, this is the beginning. It has to start here. Amen. There are warfares that you don't have to enter into if you will pray the Lord leads you out of temptation or that you don't get yourself in a mess because you were pre prepared before you got to the temptation. So it's the beginning stages of how to deal with warfare. Amen. Amen. To watch against the first risings in our heart toward evil and to keep ourselves from the actions of sin is what God is telling us. See, Satan is the prince of the power of the air that now rules in the children of disobedience. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, this is what it says. It says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Isn't that an awesome thing? that we're not bowing down to the prince of the power of the air anymore, but we serve the King of kings. Amen. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords who's given us everything we need to conquer and overcome in our lives. It is the enemy. The Satan is the enemy of God. He hates truth. He hates God's goodness. He hates God's redeemed. He hates you and me. The devil's not a misunderstood friend. He's not something to toy with. I never liked when people, you walk in and their dog comes over and they go, oh, he don't bite. I said, then why is he approaching me so aggressively? I've learned even my little stupid dog Pepper, she will bite if she has to. 
So I put her out because I don't want to say to people, oh, she doesn't bite. I, I always tell them, if you don't have a problem with dogs, but if you do tell me, she won't get around you. Because she comes up very aggressively. I love her, but I'm going to tell you something right now. That I don't trust her. Why don't you trust her? Because I've been bit by her. But people act like, you know, the devil's got a, a pitchfork and a red suit and a tail and horns. I can tell you he's far more wicked than that. His, his, his strategies are far deeper than that. He wants to still kill and destroy your life. And you've got to know today that he hates you. And he would love nothing more than to tempt us and, and out of our own evil hearts cause us to join with him, plunder into the depths of sin, and obtain a victory over us that we become his slaves. That is what the devil wants. He is a master in subtlety and strategy. He always hides the hook in the bait. Are you hearing me? Peter tells us, that he goes about like a roaring lion seeking to devour, seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't have to devour you, but he is set out to devour you. And if we don't pray, the Lord will, will uh, support us and help us in our moments of temptation. He will devour you, but he doesn't have to devour you. I've seen people be devoured and I've seen people be overcomers. Praise the Lord. But Peter tells us a little bit about spiritual warfare concerning that. He gives us a little bit of information about Satan and how he operates. Paul gives us an even more in-depth look into the dimensions from a spiritual perspective and said the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. See, he is somebody on the other side of a dimension you don't see that has principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places are you hearing me he is operating and there's there are tears there are tears or there uh, that's the only way you can put it you know of different levels if you will of spiritual warfare and strategy of the enemy I've come to tell you we wrestle against things we don't even realize power and wickedness in high places the devil sets out to destroy he sets out to destroy but Jesus gives us the greatest instruction for spiritual warfare and he says prepare yourself by securing God's support before and in the midst of temptation he says lead me not into it but God if I'm brought to that place he said deliver me from the evil of it there have been times I've been tempted and I felt like it was such a strong temptation and it could be various things. It could be jealousy. It could be a lust. It could be anger. It could be anything. It could be a feeling to feel offended at somebody and not put that to naught. There's a temptation to do a lot of things. That temptation would come. You're right to feel the way that you feel. You're right to have these kind of feelings. Well, there may be a reason why you feel that way. But the Lord tells us that we're supposed to drop that. We're supposed to to forgive we're supposed to not let those things you know bombard our mind and bring us into captivity in our heart praise God praise God but Jesus gives us that supporting scripture 
in the midst of temptation and before you even get there. God never tempts us to sin. Not in evil. He never tempts us to sin. He allows us to go through the testings of our faith. But he never tempts us to sin. James 1 and 13 tells us this. It says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Let's get one thing straight here. There are two different types of of definition, if you will, of the Greek word for temptation. It's testing, of course, being drawn away by evil. But but it's two. It's, It's the testing and going through trials in your life that would cause you to abandon your faith or cause you to lose sight of the God who told you to hold on and then there's the tempting to pull you away to do evil just because you're in a trial doesn't mean you're caught up in sin but you may quit and walk away in the midst of it how do you know that pastor I've seen people do it I've been there even in in a couple times in my life where I thought you know what it'd be easier to walk And folks, don't look at me like, oh, pastor, you should never feel that way. Everybody has gone through. Even Jesus said, he said in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Oh, it's so bitter a cup to drink. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I'm telling you, there's times we go through testings and trials in our faith. And you've got to know the devil's out to destroy your faith. He wants you on the side of the road shipwrecked he wants you lost in sin and depravity because of evil you know inclinations and attractions and desires but God said I've come to give you life and I've made you an overcomer people say you know God doesn't tempt no he doesn't tempt but he allows and permits the enemy to tempt the very fact that you and I have a free moral choice and there's a devil to tempt tells me that it's part of this spiritual life Because God is trying to prove us. Adam and Eve were tested. Somebody said, why did he allow that? I said, God only knows what you are when you've been put through the trying and the testing. Amen. But he does not, he's not the tempter. But don't tell me that he doesn't allow it because Abraham was put to the test. The Bible says that Job had a hedge of angels or had a hedge around him of protection. And and Satan came and said, I can't touch him. You've got a hedge around him. Drop that hedge and he'll curse you to your your name. He'll curse you. He'll he'll, he'll deny you. Whatever it was that he said, but he he will reject you. But that didn't happen. Job went through the greatest severing or, or testing of his life, the severe testing in his life. But he never, ever, ever sinned with his mouth. Amen. That's what the Bible says. He never sinned with his mouth. He made statements like, though he slay me, I will trust him. He made statements like, though my body may go to the dirt, I may die, but I know my Redeemer liveth. Amen. I know in whom I have believed. Hallelujah. He's a God who will allow us to go through the testings. He will allow us. The fact that there's a devil employed ought to tell you something right there. So what does that say to you and I? We've got to be ready for the temptation. We've got to pray the right way. Peter was told exactly what Satan's plan was. 
Jesus said, Peter, the, the devil desires to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. Can you imagine, could things have ended up differently if he had just prayed Jesus' prayer? Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. But he said, no, not me. Not me. Be careful when you're overly, be careful when you allow pride to be what you stand on. Failure at times feels like your solid faith has been put through the shredder. Oh, I know that never happens to anybody in here. You say, I'm in victory right now. Well, let me tell you something, brother and sister. Everybody goes through times in their life. There are times of great peace where you have seasons of peace for a long time. And then you're put through things. And you're like, Lord, what in the world is going on? Amen. What in the world is going on? Oh, God is so faithful, though. He supports us in those times. But have you ever felt like that you had this solid faith, but it's been through, put through the, the paper shredder, and you're like, all there is is just, just crumpled up pieces of paper or little, you know, small pieces of paper. There's nothing there, it seems like, anymore. That's what the enemy wants to lead you to believe. There's no hope even at that place where you feel like there's nothing left. But he said, I'll give you beauty for ashes. Amen. I'll give you beauty for ashes when there's nothing left. I will make all things beautiful again. I will restore. Thank God. But failure feels that way at times like there's nothing left. Like I've been sifted like wheat because his goal, the devil's goal is to keep you and I from laying hold upon the faith on the by faith on Christ and how can I hold on without faith in Christ it took faith to come to him it takes faith to stay continuing in him that's the word of God Satan wants you under such great temptations that we are so disturbed in our minds we're unsettled we're fearful we're hopeless and to be brought to an all-time low that we believe God would never receive me. Let me tell you something, church. That's a lie. That's a lie. I want to give you the reality of it before I give you the hope and the remedy. And I just did. There are three methods of temptation. The first method the enemy brings is doubts and discouragement. God would never save you. He died for others, but not you. No, not you. I've heard people from their own mouth say, I've done too much. God can't forgive me. That's a lie. He will and can and has. He's already forgiven you. He's waiting for you to come and receive it and accept it. Hallelujah. Your sin, the devil will tell you, is too great. You've been in it too long, and He will not forgive you, and that's a lie. Isaiah 55, 7 says this, and I love this scripture. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and He will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. He didn't say, I pardon a little bit, but He said, I abundantly pardon. Amen. But you and I got to know this. We got to forsake our wicked ways. We've got to forsake our wicked ways. And, uh, and the unrighteous man, his thoughts, see, there's wicked ways. 
ways and then there's unrighteous thoughts. I preached this some time ago and somebody told me, they said, that scripture rung in my spirit because there are things that we do and then there are things that we think. We can have sins of action and we can have sins of thought. But I want God to clean up my actions and I want Him to clean up my thoughts. I want there to be purity in my hands and purity in my heart. I want there to be purity everywhere. And the enemy will tell you God will not forgive you. But if you come by the way of Calvary, if you come the narrow way, if you come the way which is Jesus the way, the truth, and the life, he will abundantly pardon you. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, how deep you've went. We serve a God who sent his son to die on the cross and he said it is finished and the blood will never lose its power. But he's still... That blood is still flowing today for you. And my prayer is that the word that's preached unto you will reach you today and give you a hope. The second thing that the devil does is he uses flattery. Yes, he uses flattery. He tells you your sin is not so bad. I know what the preacher says. I even know what the word of God says. But, but, but let's interpret it together. You know what you need to do? You need to get full of the Holy Ghost so the Holy Ghost can interpret the word of God. And not a YouTube prophet. And I'm not saying that they're all bad, but I'm telling you that, that you need to let God, by His Spirit, Speak to you and interpret the word of God for you and your life. And, you, and if you're truly full of the Holy Ghost, you will not veer from what his word says and make your own set of rules. You, won't, you will not do that. You will not make allowances for things. But you will heed what the word of God says. And Satan will use the flattery and speak to you just like he did to Eve. You shall not surely die. And he tells you your sin is not so bad or great. And there are people way, 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 way worse than you. You ever had the devil tell you that? I had a preacher's wife one time say to me, she said, if so-and-so makes it to heaven, then we ought to not have to try so hard. And I thought, wow. I said, amen. I said, they're not our, they're, they are not our standard. My standard isn't Brother Kevin. My standard is Jesus. God's measure of holiness. And he's a man of God. I'm, I'm just using him as an example. I'm sharing with you. We should never compare ourselves with somebody else. We shouldn't judge somebody else. We shouldn't compare ourselves to somebody else. You stay in your lane, brothers and sisters. You stay before God and stay in your lane. doesn't matter what they do. I'm going to serve God because when I stand before Him, it's not going to matter what they did or anything else. It's going to matter what I did and who I was. So just stay in your lane. Pray for them. Pray that God will show them. But don't you make up your own set of rules. Don't you say, you know what, I'm going to compare myself with them and I'm not that bad, so I don't have to try so hard. Oh, you better try and give God your very best. Nowhere in that Bible does it say that you're not supposed to try. Amen. We're to press in. Hallelujah. We're to press in. You don't have to be so righteous and holy, the devil will tell you, or so strict on yourself. See, he shows you the bait, but he always hides the hook. 
He shows you the pleasures and the profits and the advantages that the abundance of this world offers, but not the losses and the crosses and the vexation and the death. He never shows you that stuff that comes with it. Samson never realized the devastation of laying with Delilah. Oh, God said, make sure you say that loudly and clearly. Samson never realized the devastation that would come as he began to lay, lay with Delilah. It wasn't a momentary satisfaction. It had lingering effects. It had lingering effects. If you think about it, the devil never showed him. And he never realized the devastation of laying with Delilah. But you got to go all the way back in his life of how many times that he just yielded to temptation. He just fell, in, not, not fell into it. He just went into it willingly. From breaking his Nazarite vow, from eating honey out of a carcass of a lion, from going and laying with other women and the things that he did. Yes, God used him. God used him, but used him and anointed him and he was a deliverer for Israel. But he found himself a target. The devil wants to take out especially those that God is using so greatly. I had a preacher tell me when I first started the church, he said, you got to you got to be careful for the three G's. I said, three G's. He said, gold, glory, and girls. They have been the fall and devastation of many a preacher. And if he can't get you with the glory or the gold, he'll find somebody that will come by. And they will ruin your life and reputation and ministry. That's the devil's tactic. Samson lost his ministry. He lost his power. He lost his strength. He lost his eyesight. He lost his freedom. From one moment of pleasure. He even lost his Nazarite vow for a season. I love that scripture and it'll preach, but nevertheless his hair began to grow. Thank God that our failure may endure for a season that we have to deal with, but thank God it's not final. Thank God it's not final. And ultimately, in that state, the only thing he could do was bring glory to God one more time. Our prayer should always be, God, I want to bring you glory. But don't allow yourself to be caught up in temptation to the place that you lose everything. 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 Because when it's all said and done, your relationship with God, your faithfulness and your consecration and overcoming is what gets you that crown. That's what the Bible says in James chapter 1. There's an overcomer's crown. He that overcomes temptation. There's a crown awaiting him. And, and, and a, 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 a reward in heaven but a crown. And the greatest thing, the greatest thing is the crown of glory that, that you bring unto God, if you will. It's that which says God is real. God is faithful. And I love him. Amen. I love him so much that I don't want to allow the enemy to take me out and destroy my testimony. 
Satan lost his place and is set out to make sure you lose yours. The third thing is persecution. There are people who will quit because of the frowns and the terrors of this world. The scoffing, the jeering, the hatred, the backbiting. They cowered to temptation and they quit. Even Jesus told the disciples when the 350 left, those that left when he said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. We have no life in us if we don't take that communion. If we don't, and it's, that is, in essence, it, it is symbolic, but it's so much more than that. What it's saying is, God, I'm taking your life into me. I cannot have spiritual life without that. We must And we're about due for communion. We'll take it again very soon. The Lord just laid that on my heart. We'll take it again very soon. But but there were those that walked away. They shook their heads and they go, man, this is just too, too spiritual for me. This is too deep for me. You've got to understand what he's saying. And one day it clicks and you realize, you know what? There's a life that I'm called to live That's what it is. And when it hits you, you're like, oh, wow. There you're at that fork in the road. Am I going to die to myself or am I going to live for myself and play church? Because there's people that play church. Oh, yeah. They play church. They come to church, but they are not necessarily a part of that church and that body. Or they come to church, but they're not sold out to the Lord. We have to be in unity in our relationship with God. Be the same. Amen. I'm not saying that people don't, you know, don't have their flesh or their personality and things and quirks in their life that they deal with. But even that's a temptation. We have to not give in to that and say, well, that's just the way I am. No. No. We're called to show Christ in our conduct and our behavior and your personality too. Amen. Your personality too. I've met people and, 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 and you would not know that they were believers for the way that they acted. They got more crosses hanging on their house than anybody. I don't care how many crosses you got. What matters is who you are. Come on church. This is about character, the character of God, the character of God. That persecution comes and people cower to that, to quit. I've had people that came in. I had somebody that came in one time and they had come out of Jehovah's Witnessism. This was about 12 years ago. They had come out of that. And they were sitting in this church and God was ministering to them and they loved it. They loved it. They were hearing the word. They were enjoying the worship. But their spouse did not like it one bit. And he would come and he would sit in the church and you could just see it. He would just sit there. Just, it just irked him. And it wasn't long. About two months, three months. There the dear lady went. Because she cowered. To what her husband, the pressure he put on her. Look, let me tell you something. I don't believe in divided homes. I believe in unity in that home. But what we have to know is that my relationship with God is personal. It's me and God. And, 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 and there are people that are going to have to say to their spouses, Look, I love you, but I don't love you more than I love Jesus. I love Him. 
I'm going to serve him all the days of my life. And look, I'm not going to make you do anything. I'm not expecting you to do anything. In fact, me being a Christian is going to make me a better wife or a better husband, a better child. If I serve him with all my heart, I'm going to be a model a model person for you as far as a, a spouse or in relationship. But church, let me share with you that there's nothing that should come between your relationship with you and God. Nothing. I don't care who it is. And I'm going to stay here and flog this for just a moment longer because the Lord just told me stay there for just a minute because there's people, there's a pull, there's a pull. And what you've always been in steadfastness and steadfastness and in, in faithfulness and consecration unto the Lord, the devil's trying to pull you away from that. But you don't want to stand before God and say, well, I wanted to please them. And he's going to say, you should have pleased me. You should have put me first. Just serve God. Serve God. He will minister to you. And if they never come to Christ, you will continue to serve God, but be good to them. Love them. Even Paul said, ladies, wives, he said, you can win that man, that unbelieving man. You can win him by your treatment of him and how you are towards him. Love him. Show him Christ. And you'll watch him as he'll begin through your conversation to come to the faith. Don't let anything pull you out. Don't let any relationship pull you out. Don't let any relationship pull you out. Hallelujah. Amen. This is my church. This is where I was born again. This is where I'm going to go. They tell you, well, I don't like it there. Well, that's tough. Amen. Especially if you're the man. If you're the man, you don't follow a wife. They follow you. That wasn't a loud enough amen. If you're, if there's a lady in here, amen. He said, I don't want to be here, but he wants to be here. Let me tell you something. You follow the priest of the household, especially if he's serving God. That's the only way he can be a priest of the household. But you don't let somebody pull you out of where God has planted you. That's a trick of the enemy. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Well, what's the support, pastor? Well, let me get there. The scripture leads us much in teaching. The first thing that you are going to have to do as you come before the Lord is you're going to have to pray and your prayer is going to have to be a confession. I'm hopeless without you. I'm helpless without you. I have no strength in myself. When I first got saved, I tried to do it on my own. And guess what? I, I got a big F in that test. I failed. And when you fail enough times, you sit back and you think, what is going on? God has to show you it's not you. It's his strength that makes you perfect. It's his strength that makes you an overcomer. But the scripture leads us, and the first thing is confession to God. That is the very essence of the scripture he said, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Tell God I'm assaulted by the evil one. He lies in wait for my soul. I cannot master the tempter. I'm not able in my own strength. That kind of prayer activates God. Yes, it does. God's mighty intervention is activated immediately. For years, my prayer was always focused on me. And my failure. God, how I failed you. And I would ask that question. What am I doing wrong? 
You know, I was always looking only for God's help, but never God's complete habitation. Are you hearing me? He said, you cannot produce any fruit on your own. You can't. You, you cannot try to produce fruit detached from the vine. You've got to understand that it's his life flowing through you. It's never you on your own. And there's a lot of independent Christians. There's a lot of people that are trying to do it independently of God. And let me tell you, after 33 years, I have learned and found out you can't. You can't do it on your own, so quit trying. Just quit trying and just say, when I say quit trying, I'm not saying you don't read your word and you don't pray and you don't seek the face of God, but you've got to understand that I am not going to overcome anything without His power and without His grace. But I would ask God, what am I doing wrong? What is wrong with me, God? I would pray more. I would say, Lord, I promise you, I'm going to pray more. And I would say, I'm going to fast more. I need to fast an extra day. And, and I need to read more. If I'm just in the Word of God, all of these things are important. I'm not diminishing them. But I am telling you this today, that even disciplines are not the ticket. It's grace. It's God's power. God's power there's even I even went through a phase where I said Lord it's got to be a generational curse that was the phase I went through you say a phase well I still believe that well let me set you free this morning oh yeah all are quiet see I know the Holy Ghost is a step ahead of you God's a step ahead a generational curse and to preach that that you have to be free from that is a slap in the face of the blood. It slaps and flies in the face of the blood. Are you hearing me today? What you're saying is the blood takes care of everything except for this, co this covenant or this pact or this curse that was put on your grandma 200 years ago that now still affects you. I said the blood can't go all the way back to that. The blood will break every single curse. It breaks the curse of sin. He said sin shall not have dominion over you. But there is this devil that's still present. There is still this sinful nature that's still present. And it's not going to go away until we stand before Him. But I hear people and they want to try to put some kind of curse on you and mess with your mind. But God said that blood washes everything away. It broke every curse of sin. Shame. That kind of teaching flies in the face of the blood it's an affront to the blood it's saying well it only works up to this point but all those other curses somebody else has got to take care of for you let me tell you something today there is a finished work of the cross it is efficacious it is effective always always and the power of the blood Every time I've come before Him and I begin to seek His face and I begin to say, God, today I come and I plead the blood over my mind. I ask You to not lead me, to lead me not into temptation or don't allow me to yield to that temptation, but deliver me from the evil. And God, I've come to put on the whole armor today. I've come to have the helmet on my head to cover my mind. I've come to have the breastplate of righteousness to cover my heart. I want to make sure that I've got the belt of truth to always believe what you say about sin, about Satan, about life and death. I want to believe everything you say.
And I've got my feet shod so I can preach to people and minister to them. And what he's saying is put on Christ. Every day, put on Christ. Put on Christ. Put on Christ. Put on that helmet that will cover your mind. Put on Christ. Pray that way. You need to pray more than God help me not to hit traffic this morning. Lord, help that co-worker not to, you know how they just know my good. You got to get on your knees every day and say, God, it's a new day. It's a fresh slate. I know it. You've provided it. And Satan is awaiting to mar it, to disrupt it. To mess it up. But I've come today to pray for your support for this temptation. Because I can tell you, I'm praying if you lead me not in temptation, deliver me from evil. I'm going to walk in victory. I cannot do it on my own. Amen. Amen. Oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm not quite done yet, but I'm almost there. But I love this in the word of God. God told Paul. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient for thee. That's what he said. I got a thorn in my flesh. And he said, God, you never took it away. Isn't that interesting? We deal with people sometimes we think, Lord, I just wish they were just not in my way anymore. And God said, I'm not going to remove them. I'm going to give you grace to deal with it. Sometimes you realize it's not them, it's you. It's like the woman that was washing. She was looking out her windows and she saw her neighbor's dirty laundry. And she said, oh, she puts that dirty laundry up every day. Out there hanging them whites. Can't she see their dingy gray? Can't she see how dirty they are? She went around and chattered to the neighbors. You know, she was the cheese cheese me. Can you believe her? Then she washed her windows one day. And she said, wow, she must have put bleach in this week. (laughs) No, you cleaned your windows. I was ministering to a lady on hospice one time, and she went home to be with the Lord, but... For some reason, the Lord just laid I was sharing how I ministered that and shared that story in church. And she was laying in that bed. She got real quiet. She goes, are you talking about me? And I thought, well, you don't have a window to look out of. You're bedridden and have been for five years. So I said, I don't know, but maybe the Lord's trying to show you something. I don't know. She said, well... I think you're talking about me. And I said, well, the Lord knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly what to put his finger on. But, oh, Jesus. He's not going to remove the thorn. He told Paul that. I believe God sometimes does move things. 
but not till you get a victory. Amen. I'm, I'm just, I'm telling you from experience. God told Paul, your strength is made perfect. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient for thee. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 7. This is what the scripture says. And, and God and delivered just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. God knows how to deliver you and I as we go to him for, for strength and support. And we know the scripture everybody quotes in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That says, there is no temptation taking you, but such is common demand. Don't ever say, well, they don't understand because they're not going through what I'm going through. The person who's dealing with lust and, and carnal, lustful sexual thoughts may never have ever done drugs in their life. And they may not know the power of the strength of addiction. But I can tell you, sin is sin. Temptation is temptation. And... A lot of times we look at certain things and we, we put a, a, a value on that. But God says sin is sin. Everybody struggles with things that are common. That's, this temptation is common. But God is faithful. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Did you read that? Bear it. Hallelujah. He'll give you a way to escape to make sure that you're able to bear it. He makes a way of escape when you give it to God. When you give it to God. I heard of a, a fraternity pledge. You know, these fraternities and sororities, they have to pledge and they get hazed to, to go into and get allowed into and accepted into fraternities and sororities. And uh, I heard of this fraternity that they were hazing this one boy, and he was a Christian. And what they did to haze them, their pledges, would they would have them hold on to a rope with a, a, a knot on the end of it, or a, 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 yeah, whatever that is, you know, on the end of it. And they would hold on to that rope as they began to lower them down into a well at night. They would lower them down and lower them down. And they would make that pledge, hold on to that rope. And in torture, hear them scream and cry, let me out, let me up. No, not until a certain amount of time. And, and that boy was holding on to that rope. And he didn't know how deep the bottom was. He was already about 25 feet down or 30 feet down. And here he's holding on and he's screaming. And them boys are up there laughing at him, mocking him. And he's holding on to that rope. And he said, God, God, help me, please. Help me. I should have never even got involved in this. But I'm afraid I'm going to die here. I don't even know what to do. And the Spirit of God kept telling him, just let go. Just let go. Just let go. He's holding on. He's kicking his feet. I can't let go. He said, let go. 
Trust me. Amen. This is how it is with us holding on and trying to secure things to get out of temptation. And God said, just let go. And that boy let go and he dropped five inches and landed on the ground. See, the enemy wants you to believe there ain't no way out. But God said, let me tell you, I'm right under your feet. I'm right here to uphold you. I'm your rock. Some people just need to let go and let God say, God, I can't do it. I don't have the strength. I don't have what I need. We must stay abiding in Christ. The whole armor is simply putting on Christ. He was tempted in all points, yet without sin. So in Hebrews 2.18, it says he is able also to help and he uses that word secure, but that means help. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to help them that are tempted. He knows exactly what you've been through, what you're going through. And he gives us everything that we need, especially his power and his might. He gives us a shield of faith to quench every fiery dart. Because the enemy wants to shoot fiery darts and arrows to start fires in your flesh. The, are, you, are you hearing me? The Bible talks about burning in lust. Burning in lust. People burn in sexual lust. That's a fiery dart. You better put up that shield of faith. You better, and you know before you even get there, you already know the enemy's already trying to find out what your triggers are. And if, come on now, church, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know, you got to hold that shield of faith up and you got to say, no, my faith in God says no. My obedience to the word of God says no. And I'm going to put up this shield of faith because I know the enemy's trying to shoot a fiery dart to hit me in my flesh to try to get me to burn with lust or burn with with anger or burn with jealousy or burn with love for money or burn in some way of covetous envy he's trying to get me to burn up but I can tell you God gives us that shield of faith and that hour of temptation to quench every fiery dart of the wicked the focus of this whole message is prayer and I saw changes when every day I would pray lead me not into temptation and Lord, I've come to put on the whole armor. And I'm using the word of God like Jesus did when I'm tempted. Because temptation comes in all forms and fashions. Yes, it does. But that's why he said, cast down imaginations. And every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Praying for blessings for those I'm tempted to have bad feelings about. Yeah. I have learned something that works. I'm telling you, I've learned something that works. Those thoughts will come, and they may be valid, but you cannot allow them to change the character of Christ in you. So that's why he said, pray for them. Bless them. So I said, Lord, bless them today.
I mean, Lord, I'm not saying this is a platitude or I'm not being fake or faulty. Bless them today. Minister to them today. Pour out a blessing upon them, God, that they can't even contain. Lord, minister to them and bless them. You know, just bless them, Lord. The areas in their life where, you know, they're not where you want them to be, then God, you know, not what I see, but what you see. But bless them. Give them grace, God. Give them love. Give them mercy. Bless them in abundance. And as I begin to pray for people that I saw myself beginning to develop feelings or offenses, God began to change that. Because you can't harbor that kind of stuff when you love somebody. And when you're praying for them, you love them. You're praying for them, Lord, I love them, I love them. Oh, God, I love them. I just, I saw this transformation. You know, the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. <laughs> the, the, the devil wants to conform you to, the, the, to the, the, the lovelessness of this world, the coldness of this world. It's what, exactly what he wants you to do. We look at it in so many other areas, but he wants you to be bound by the thoughts that would conform you that are in this world. And this world tells you to get back. This world tells you to take revenge. This world tells you get in self-preservation. You ain't never going to hurt me again. This world tells you a lot of things, but Jesus said love. Amen. Bless them. Bless them. Pray for them. Love them. Cast down those imaginations and watch as I begin to transform your mind and change you from that place of yielding to temptation to that place of being a blessing and then your mind's free and be committed to daily engagement on the front line because the struggle is real. But guess what, brothers and sisters? So is the deliverance. He is the greatest support in your time of temptation. He's your greatest support. When that thought comes immediately, not the one that you're already in the boat fishing, okay? When you're thinking about it, the devil will bring a thought before your mind long before he goes any further because he wants to see what are they going to do with just a thought. But if you allow that seed to fester, it'll grow and it'll become something that turns into a desire and an action and it brings death. And God doesn't want that for your life. He wants life from you. But you got to stop and you got to say, you know what? I've been down this road before. The devil never changes his tactic. It's always the same. He's nothing original. He's a master counterfeiter. So begin to say, you know what? I rebuke those thoughts. I rebuke that thought. Begin to hurl the word of God. Jesus did. You know, this is my new model. If it worked for Jesus, it'll work for me. If it, if it works for Jesus, it'll work for me. You don't have to buy somebody's book of seven ways out of temptation. You don't have to. Just go to the Word of God. He began to hurl the Word of God at them. This is basic 101 Bible, you know. Let me save you 12 bucks. Listen. Amen. Just go to the Word of God and begin to hurl the Word. 
I rebuke those thoughts. I cast down those imaginations. Right now, I put on the whole armor of God. I plead the blood over my mind. I am not going to be conformed to this world, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Let this mind be in me, which was also in Christ Jesus. You said in your word, Lord, to set no wicked thing before my eyes, and I've come right now to remove that. I plead the blood. Begin to worship God. Begin to praise Him. And guess what? You're going to walk on top of that temptation with victory in victory but you're not going to do it by saying I hear no evil, see no evil hear no evil, see no evil there's power in the word there's power in the word there's power in the word. Jesus came to die so we could overcome. Quit making excuses and say, Lord, I'm going to serve you with everything within me. I'm going to surrender everything to you because you've called me to walk overcoming. Because how can I minister to somebody else if I'm not even in victory myself? People say, well, don't call on me. I can't. I'm just, I, I can't. My question is, why not? Why not? You can get in an altar. You can make things right. You can pray it through. And from that moment, you can get up and you can begin to be used of God powerfully. But if you settle in your heart, I'm nothing but a failure. Brother said it the other day. People say, I'm a sooner saved by grace. I said, no, when you became a Christian, you're redeemed. You're a saint of God now. You cannot confess that. You've got to know this. I'm an overcomer. Amen. I'm an overcomer saved by the grace of God. I'm a saint of God saved by the grace of God. I am victorious because of what Jesus did. Speak life. Speak life. Speak life. Believe what God is saying about you and what you can become. Quit accepting the mediocrity that the devil's trying to sell to you. Stop that nonsense and begin to serve God. And I'm going to tell you I'm preaching. I already prayed this morning and I said God I bind every hindering force that would come against me because everything that I preach I'm tried on and I'm tested on but I'm going to be a step ahead of the enemy already and I'm praying Lord deliver me from evil lead me not into temptation already my mind is already covered and I belong to you and I'm not going to be tripped up not because of my own power but because of him he's the keeper He's the keeper. We are kept by the power of God through faith, Peter said. Jesus, help us. Mighty God, would you bow your heads in prayer? My God, my God, my God, thank you, Lord. Lord, as we come this morning and we're here in your house, we've heard the word of God. I pray, Lord, for you to just begin to minister to every life because we all, Father God, encounter and deal with temptations. We all go through it. And, Lord, I believe there's people today, Lord, that may be struggling, Lord, and they've prayed, Lord, for some kind of a teaching and a training. God, and I pray today that you draw them by your Spirit.